My name is Kent, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'd like to start uh, by offering this prayer for you. The Lord be with you. We're starting a new series on prayer today, and we're going to look at some apostolic prayers, which are actual prayers that the apostles themselves prayed, and the first one we're going to look at is in the book of Philippians. So I'd like to invite you to open up to Philippians chapter 1. So we're in the New Testament. We're in a little set of books that Paul wrote. I always was told to remember these by Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you're in one of those, you're close. Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first 11 verses. The first few verses are kind of uh, set up, like Paul often does with his letters. Like here's kind of the people he's writing to and why he's writing them. And then he, one of the first things he does is pray for these people. And we're going to look at that prayer today. Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people of Jesus Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word, and we can rely on it. We'll start by taking a quick survey. How many of you who are here have ever prayed? Okay, that's pretty good. It doesn't surprise me because I think there's kind of a fundamental kind of attribute of us as God's people, and that is we are prayers. And actually, Alan was pushing me on this a couple days ago and got me to actually realize that I think fundamentally all people are prayers, that there's something about us that needs to cry out to some higher power. We recognize that that power is God, and we cry out to him. And if you've ever said a prayer at any time, then you are a prayer And I actually want to give you credit for that. So we've got some people with some stickers. They're all going to jump in and help me out right now. And maybe a few more of you. The sticker says, I pray. And so, can you help me out too? If if you've ever prayed any prayer, then I want you to wear a sticker acknowledging that, that you are a prayer. Now, in order to save some money, we printed these stickers ourselves, and so they're really hard to get off. And uh, so I don't want you to like be fumbling for the whole service, but there's a little fold on one side. If you get to that side and bend it over, you should be able to get the little crack and then put your sticker on. And what I'm hoping is that these stickers can um, kind of help us with our identity today. And we want to be identified as prayers. We are people who pray. And I thought, you know, this might even be a little conversation piece while you're getting your coffee after the service. 
Because you know how sometimes you, you find that somebody has something in common with you and you go, oh, you're a Cubs fan too? And then pretty soon you're talking about the Cubs or, oh, you, you know, you were born in South Dakota? So you got some common thing that you want to talk about. So after the service, you're going to greet someone. You're going to go, oh, you pray. Well, I'm a prayer too. I pray. And maybe you can have a little conversation about that. So that's one thing I want these stickers to accomplish. The other thing I want them to accomplish is this, that this isn't a new topic, and I, I'm not really anticipating that we're going to cover a ton of new ground in this series. I think we're just going to reinforce some of the things that you already know and some of the things that you are already engaged in. But when I talk to people, I, I discover that there's some level of frustration about prayer. People are often concerned about their levels of prayer and the kinds of prayers that they pray and that they don't pray enough. I hear that constantly. I don't pray enough. And so the sticker maybe can remind you that you, you do pray, and that's where we start. And then the third thing you can maybe think about is this as a kind of a qualifier. I'm sure that I'm not the most qualified one to preach on this because I feel like I am just beginning to learn how to pray. And I know that we have other people here, other staff members and other members of our congregation who are very well-versed in prayer and very experienced in prayer. And so if I say something throughout this series that you think maybe needs to be corrected, it probably does, and you should come talk to me and set me straight on that if you uh, are, uh, know how to pray uh, better than I. So first thing, we pray. And I just want us to know that. We are prayers. And most of the stuff I learned about prayer came from my childhood. And there were some kind of classic childhood prayers. Anybody ever pray this prayer? God is great, God is good, and we thank him for this food. Anybody? And our goal when we were kids was to see how fast we could pray. God is great, God is good, thank you for this food. I didn't realize until I looked this up that there is another part to this prayer. By his hands we are fed Give us, Lord, our daily bread, which is part two. We never got to part two. We just, part one, <laughs> that's it. Anybody ever pray this prayer or a prayer like this? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Yeah, these are little guides that we maybe used when we were kids or we used them on our kids. I understand that there's a, prayer, a parent's version of that same prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray my sanity to keep. For if some peace I do not find, I'm pretty sure I'll lose my mind. <laughs> How about this prayer? Anybody ever pray this prayer? God in heaven, hear my prayer. Keep me in thy loving care. Be my guide in all I do. Bless all those who love me too. That's another simple prayer that many of us got taught. So I learned some of these prayers as a kid, and then I learned a whole, an, a whole other kind of prayer when I started to go to camp as a kid. And one of the prayers that we learn goes like, like this. I thank you, Lord, for giving me food. I thank you, Lord, for giving me food. For all the food that we eat and all the friends that we meet, I thank you, Lord. Amen. Anybody know that one? <laughs> some of you have been at camp. You know that one. You want to know the name of that prayer? The Superman prayer, that's right, okay. So I learned that there could be maybe some actions accompanied with prayer, some other kind of outside the box. First time I ever thought about that when I was at camp, singing a prayer. How about this prayer? 
God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Anybody ever pray that prayer? That's a pretty popular one, and sometimes it appears on plaques or posters or things like that, and maybe you don't even think of it as a prayer, but it is a prayer actually written by one of the saints. Uh, there's, an al- there's another alternate version to that I saw. Actually, several alternate versions. This one I liked. Lord, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and forgiveness when I finally snap. <laughs> I think that these prayers are like framework. Uh, they're, they're simple kind of guidance. And we maybe don't regard them highly enough because they actually do a pretty good job, some of them, in giving us some really basic understanding of prayer. I think of that mealtime prayer as a classic prayer that gives me the basic structure that I need in order to pray. God is great. When I pray, I need to know that God is great and has power. God is good. I need to know when I pray that God is going to listen and God is going to respond because God cares. God loves me. God is a God of love. God is good. And I ask him for this food. I, I need to go to God and I need to lay my request before him. I need to tell God what's on my mind. I need to understand that God is active and participating in this world. All that can come from three lines from a simple prayer. I think it gives us a guide. Of course, one of the most classic guidelines that we've ever used for prayer is a prayer that goes like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You can't get a much better framework for a prayer than that. Just over 50 words that guide us in all the things that we need to do in order to pray. And I don't think anybody thinks that these words are like magic words. We don't think that about prayer. There's not magic instilled that if I just get these specific words out, that that makes God listen to me better. But what we do believe is that these words give us kind of this framework of the kinds of things that we can bring to God in prayer. And so they help guide us with that kind of structure. They remind us who God is, and they remind us who we are, and they remind us about the reality of this world, and the reality is that God is at work in this world and in us. And these simple prayer frameworks all help us to accomplish that. And that's the kind of thing I want us to really focus on in the next month. And we're summarizing the whole thing as, by giving you the goal of this particular series. The goal of this series is that we would just pray that we would pray and maybe pray a little more, maybe pray a little different. But I've been wondering about this as I've been thinking about prayer, and it seems like there's often this kind of like hang-up about prayer, that we have to somehow get it right, that we're not good enough at it. We listen to other people pray, and we think, oh my gosh, they're so much better than I am. They they use such, such better words and such better language, and I'm sure that God is hearing their prayers more than God is hearing my prayers. I've had that thought when I listen to some people pray. I'm like, oh, I don't think I could ever pray like that. I'm not that good of a prayer. So I begin to wonder, what would happen if we would try to like remove some of that baggage and say, you know what, we're not going to do kind of the evaluation judgment game. We're not going to go, your prayer is better than my prayer. We're not going to say that there's specific words you have to use or there's a specific style. Or We're not going to say any of that. We're not going to say that there's better and worse. We're going to hold off on judgment. We're going to say, just 
pray that as we are in a relationship with God, as in any relationship, things come to our mind that we want to talk to God about and we should just talk to God about it. That's prayer, isn't it? A conversation with God where we tell God about who he is and about who we really are and about the reality of this world and the way that God is at work in the world. That's prayer. And we want to learn to just pray. And we all have a huge leg up on it because I can see you're all wearing these stickers that say you already pray. So you've already started this process and I'm hoping that we can just kind of build a little more on this framework. So I've got a couple more little kind of frameworks that I've learned along the way. Maybe you've heard some of these too or used some of these. One of them is called ACTS, A-C-T-S. And I think I was actually pretty young when we started using this in Sunday school. Anybody know what ACTS stands for? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's a pretty simple framework, isn't it? I used this in our little Sunday school class and they had trouble with supplication because that's kind of a big word. Supplication is when we just ask God for help. So I was really thankful when I came across the book. My current favorite book on prayer is by Anne Lamott, and the title of the book gives us the structure. The title of the book is Help, Thanks, Wow. And she categorizes all prayer with those three. We cry out to God in help, ask for his assistance and whatever it is. We give God thanks because we know that he does help us, and then when we become aware of what God does, we go, Wow. God is amazing. Help, thanks, wow. Which is kind of similar to a little guide that Alan has been using with us in the last few months. And this guide uses, Jesus is here. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And help, Lord. So you can see kind of some kind of overlap maybe in some of those um, kind of structures. But we think of these structures as tools that they give us kind of guidance that we need in order to figure out a little structure for our prayers. But we don't think that any of these are magical. They just are helpful. And we all need a little help, don't we, in prayer? Another little survey question. Is there anybody here who has completely figured out prayer? You got it, figured out completely. Anybody? Okay, I'm not surprised about that either because... It's complicated. There's a lot to it. We don't know how it works or why it works. and We don't know exactly what motivates us sometimes to pray or keeps us from praying. There's a lot of things we don't know. Anybody here feel like you pray enough? Anybody here go, oh yeah, I got prayer figured out and I got it. I'm, I got just the right amount. Anybody think that? I never think that. And everybody I talk to says, I never pray enough. So there's this kind of thing that we feel like we need to do. So... What I want us to do is think about prayer and the apostolic prayers that we're going to look at like scaffolding that give us some kind of structure for what we do. Now, we use scaffolding if we're like doing a, maybe a big maintenance project. We need to scrape or repaint and we've got to get up to the second story of the house so we set up some scaffolding. It allows us to maybe reach places we couldn't reach from the ground. Or maybe we put scaffolding if we're building new construction. We're trying to build a brand new wall. The wall needs to go up really high, so we put the scaffolding up first, and then we can build that wall way up high. So maybe the, this is like some new project you're building prayer, new wall. Or maybe 
We put scaffolding around a building that's crumbling and falling down. It looks like the walls are about to fall down. So you, you put the scaffolding up there to kind of give some stability so that you can get this thing stabilized before the whole thing comes crashing down. Maybe that's your prayer life. Feel like it's on the brink of disaster and we need to shore it up. I don't know exactly what, but I want us to think about this, these prayers and these structures in prayer as like the scaffolding that we put around our prayer life. And you know what? Nobody ever leaves the scaffolding up forever, do they? They don't take you to their project and say, oh, look at my beautiful scaffolding. Isn't this nice? Look at this, what I got going here. No, you have the scaffolding up temporarily to help you get the structure completed. And when the structure is completed, you pull it back and you go, wow, look what we built or look what we renovated, or look what we've completed, right? I think these words of guidance in Scripture about prayer are like that scaffolding. We, we don't want to get fixated on the particular words or the particular um, s- structure, but on what does that structure do? That structure actually accomplishes a deep connection with God. And what we want to be able to do is pull back that scaffolding and go, look, because I've learned these structures of prayer... I feel like my relationship with God has just been renovated or maybe brand new. And look at, look at it. You know, a few years ago, anybody remember when they remodeled the uh, Washington Monument in Washington, D.C.? That's the tall, pointy one. And the, in order to do that, they put this scaffolding around it. And this was a long-term project, so they actually, it was kind of fancy scaffolding. I guess maybe it was a government project, so they made really fancy scaffolding. And then they covered the scaffolding and they actually lit it so that if you would go there while this thing was under construction, you saw this like beautiful structure of scaffolding with lights. And it was kind of cool. But you know what was really important? The monument behind it. And that was being renovated and remodeled. And when they pulled the scaffolding off, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what it was all about. So we'd like to use these words as this scaffolding to give us some structure. And in the end, my hope is that we just pray. And the thing that we notice is this has built a relationship with God or maybe renovated a relationship with God or maybe started a brand new relationship with God. And that's what these words allow us to do or allow us to accomplish. So with all that kind of preview, I want to jump just briefly into this passage of Philippians chapter 1 and talk about what Paul was doing here. Here's the prayer part. If you've got your Bible over it, open. It starts in verse 9. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now it's interesting to note that whenever Paul thinks about this congregation in Philippi, he always thinks about them with thanksgiving. And he gives us that little tip right at the very beginning of this chapter. He always thinks about them with thanksgiving, and then he always dives into prayer for them right away. This is his kind of posture toward this congregation. And so this prayer that he prays strikes me immediately as being different than most of my prayers. He is thinking about what these people in Philippi really need. What what would God really like to do for them? And what is God already doing in them? And that's the kind of thing that he prays. And my prayers are often more focused on just kind of like the immediate circumstances that are right in front of my face, you know? I pray for Aunt Betty and her surgery, and I pray for my neighbor's lost cat, and I pray for the weather to be nice, for the picnic we're planning, and I, that's the kind of things I often pray about. 
And it seems like it's kind of a different prayer fundamentally than this thing that Paul's doing here. I'm praying that love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. That's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? And so what I think Paul's doing here is Paul's taking a longer view. Paul's looking at who are these people, really, and who is God, really, and what does God want to accomplish? And he sees a little glimpse of the thing that God wants to accomplish in their life, and then he says, I'm going to pray for that thing God wants to do. I'm gonna, he knows that God wants them to grow in love, and he, he knows that he, he wants them to grow in this love that's not just kind of an unanchored, rootless love, but that's a love that's anchored in their knowledge. So he says, I'm going to pray for their love to grow in knowledge. And he prays with such confidence. This is the part that also inspires me when I read these prayers. He prays as though it's already happened. You know, he's thinking, this is the kind of God we have, and this is the kind of people God's working with in Philippi, and they're people who need love. And they did, if you know the history of the people of Philippi, they were people who were really prone to like kind of disagree and find fault, and there was lots of division in there. There was all kinds of like bickering and arguing in the church in Philippi, kind of like a lot of churches. And yet, what Paul sees is Paul sees God wants to shape them in love. And he has this confidence that the good thing that God started, that he's going to bring that to completion one day. So he's praying as though it's already completed. God, I want them to abound more and more in this love based on knowledge and insight. And that's the kind of prayer that he prays. It's, it's such a beautiful prayer. And Paul could have prayed about a lot of other things when he was praying this prayer because, you know, we know he's in prison at this time and things are tough in, in prison. He even alludes to that by saying they, that people stayed with him even when he was in chains. But he, he doesn't pray about their circumstances. He prays about this thing that God is working to accomplish. Paul prays that this fruit, that this good thing that's already growing would come more and more and that it would abound. And so he kind of sets this tone which really started at the beginning of the letter and goes throughout about love. And this is one of Paul's favorite topics anyway, that we should be people who grow more and more in love. And so now he's just praying that these people will experience that. And so it seems to me that the posture that Paul has taken here is he's taken the posture of, well, I'm going to just pray. And I'm just going to pray about the things that God wants to accomplish in their life. And then that's what he does. I don't know about all of you, but I have favorite prayers. I don't know if that's right or not, but I do. Certain people, when they pray, I hear their prayers and I go, that's a good prayer. And one of my favorite prayers is a guy named Tim Hunter, who's the, one of my counselors at Keys to Living. And whenever I go there, he prays for me. And uh, he prays such beautiful prayers. And I, I notice this pattern in his prayers. He sees the good thing that God wants to do in me. And then he prays for me as though it's already happened. Which is exactly what Paul was doing for these people in Philippi, praying this prayer. So that got me wondering, um, would we like to pray that way? Maybe pray a little different prayer. Maybe here's a structure that might help us renovate our prayer life a little bit by praying a little differently looking at who God is and what he wants to accomplish, looking at who we are really and where God is taking us, and then pray as though that could be happening already. And so we wanted to practice that. And uh, actually, another one of my favorite prayers is Leah. 
And she's the one who actually has been teaching me about the apostolic prayers and brought this to our attention a couple years ago at a staff meeting and then at a consistory retreat. And now we, we still come back and visit them from time to time. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to give some space in these services for prayer so we could just pray. And we're going to lead the prayer, and you're going to come join us along. So I'll have Leah come on up here right now. And we're going to model this kind of pattern. If you've got your sermon cell sheet, you can take that out. That might also help you at this time. We've got the prayer up on the screen. We've got the, the phrases of the prayer in the sermon cell. And there's a little blank spaces in there. If you want to jot down any thoughts that come to mind while we're doing this, feel free to do that. We're going to go phrase by phrase through this very prayer. And then Leah's going to pray, lead us in prayer. And you, you also can pray as you are uh, led to pray. Does that make sense? Okay, let's pray. I pray that you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. God, we ask that you would come and release more of your love in our hearts. We want to understand your love. We want to be filled with your love that much more and more. And God, we know that your love is great, and so we praise you for that. But would you help us to understand how great your love is that much more today in this place? I pray that you may be able to discern what is best. Lord, we know that your leadership is perfect and that you can lead us perfectly. Would you help us to discern exactly what it is you'd have us to know about you today? What you, uh, how you love us, how you love our neighbors. God, would you fill us with that wisdom and that knowledge? I pray that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. God, we thank you for the salvation that is in through your Son. We thank you that his blood covers us, that it washes us, that it cleanses us. And because of that, we are able to walk boldly into your throne room cleansed, pure, made white as snow, and to gaze upon you, God. And that, that is only possible through the righteousness of your Son. I pray that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. And God, we thank you for the work of your Spirit within us that produces all fruit God, we know that you have called us to a greater calling, to be a holy people, to be set aside for that sin in our lives today, God. We ask your forgiveness over that, and we praise you that your spirit is at work within us, calling us to greater depths of holiness, calling us to the good things, calling us to turn away from the bad. And so we lift those things that hold us back from you right now, God, those weight and cares and sins upon our shoulders. And we thank you for the blood of your Son and the work of your Spirit cleansing us and making us new each and every day. Amen. Amen. We'd like you to take that cell sheet home and pray this prayer using these very words this week. And there's a couple of little suggestions at the beginning of that about just lingering and taking your time over each phrase and each word so you can hear uh, what God has to say to you and then just simply pray these words back. Um, in your own words, and uh, we, we hope that that will become like a little structure, a little scaffolding that you can put around your prayer life to help remodel or renovate or build something new in your prayer life. Um, also throughout this series, we're going to be throwing a, a ton of other examples. I, 
if, if we thought our call is to just pray, then one of the things we want to do more in our service is pray when we're together here so we get some practice at that. And one of the prayers that we do every month is called a prayer of self-examination before we go to the Lord's table. And this prayer is designed to help us think about where have we fallen short? Where have we not measured up to these, this love that God has? Where have we not loved well? And we confess that, and then this prepares us to come uh, to the Lord's table. So I'm going to invite you to take a few moments of silence to consider where you have fallen short in your love and confess that to God, and then I'll lead us in a prayer of confession. So let's pray together. God, whenever I stop to reflect on who I really am, I, it doesn't take long before I recognize my shortcomings and places where I have not loved you with my whole heart and I have not loved my neighbor as myself and where my love has been weak and inadequate. But I also, in those moments, know who you really are and you are a God who promises to forgive us. And God, we don't come to this meal because of our goodness, because we have measured up, because we have done all that we were supposed to do. But we come to this meal because it's a gift and we remember that Christ has done all the things that we should have done and he did them for us. And so for that reason, we're able to come to this table and celebrate your goodness and your forgiveness. And we give you our praise and thanks, God. In Jesus' name, amen.